listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. It is a story time with Sarah Day. Yay! This also means I got to go down a really deep research rabbit hole again. Mm. Which does, it, is, does it mean we get to sit on the carpet crisscross applesauce style? <laughs> yes. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> This was a very fun research project that also included a field trip. So I'm like leveling up the story mm, time yes. with Sarah research. Mm, journalistic game. integrity. Yeah. Like starting to feel like an actual pseudo journalist, which is kind of fun. So, <laughs> 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 so this is about portals of prayer today. Everybody knows about portals of prayer. I think if you're Lutheran, you probably probably know about them or have at least heard of them. Your church maybe has them sitting in the back Maybe you randomly get one in your mailbox every month and you're like, where does this even come from? Well, we're going to learn about that today. (laughs) And this did include a field trip to Concordia Publishing House to visit their editorial library to flip through all of their historical volumes of Portals of Prayer. And if you know me, that was just like kid in a candy store because I walk into the editorial library and there's 100 years of history of CPH stuff in that room. Hmm. And it smelled like old book and it was just a glorious morning. So. It was amazing. Huge thanks to Scott Kinman at CPH. He is the current editor for Portals of Prayer. So he was the one that got me into CPH, into the editorial library, gave me some other tidbits of some fun history that I get to tell you today. So huge thanks to him and everybody at CPH for accommodating me on that Friday morning. And I even got a tour of CPH, which was The first time I've been able to do that. Noise. It was awesome. So it does kind of seem like most everybody has a story about Portals of Prayer. They've been around since 1937. So that is a lot of history. A lot of people who have have had some experience with them. I think it's pretty amazing for a a print publication to have this long of a history. Not a lot of stuff has been around for that long, especially if it's a print thing. I know, I mean, our our Lutheran heritage, we kind of have a lot of these things going on. We've got portals, we've got Lutheran Witness, yes. we've got Reporter, although I'm not sure how long Reporter has actually been around, but Lutheran Witness has been around for a super oh, long time. Oh, it is one of the longest running continuously published magazines in the United States. Yeah. So they've, just like KFUO, has kind of been on the cutting edge of audio technology since 1924. Portals of Prayer has kind of been on the cutting edge of print and publication technology, I guess you can say, also for its nearly 100-year existence. So they've survived this long because they have been intentional about how they put out this publication and the ways that they've been able to kind of change with the times to keep getting this information in front of people. So it's pretty cool. They've also been able to do various formats Braille, Spanish, German, French, from what I could tell, different sizes. We've got the the large print, the small digest. Do they call it a digest, I suppose? And an interesting thing, the size that we have now and like the small one that everybody knows about, that size hasn't actually changed all that much since the original 1937. Hmm. So it's changed slightly because paper and printing sizes have changed mm-hmm. over the last 80 some years, but it's it's essentially nearly the identical same mm-hmm. size and the format of the devotions on the inside are also almost the same format, hmm. which is just really cool. That is. That people just still kind of go for that size and that that format. So if if it ain't fixed. If If it it ain't fixed, don't break it. (laughs) That's yeah. But but how Lutheran of us. Right? Something that's almost a hundred years old hasn't changed that much. Uh Right? I know. Imagine that. Only forming somewhat to the (laughs) 
secular culture <laughs> and industries. Let's not change. How about that? Don't ever change. Don't change. <laughs> so I thought that with this long of a history, I would be like diving into all of this written record of everything. There actually isn't a whole lot of written history <laughs> huh. on Portals of Prayer, which is which is fine. I mean, even at KFUO, I'm like, hey, let's look into history and I it's kind of hard to find our them so. oral traditions though <laughs> so no no shade on anybody it's just the way it is and that's fine but that means I got to like dig through literally flip through pages and pages of these hundreds of books over an hour and a half mm. and just find my own history for this mm. and kind of connect some dots for myself which was actually really really fun so that plus Scott's knowledge and uh, stories from people in the lounge too there is there is a lot of historical stuff to go through today. So the editorial library has 39 volumes of archived Portals of Prayer books only going through 2014. So they don't even have archived books since 2014 in there yet. And that is 425 Portals of Prayer booklets. So that is a lot of booklets, mm -hmm. a lot of history. So, so ladies listening out there and listening in here, what you are about to hear is some original primary source history coming your way. Original research by Mrs. Sarah Gulseth. Uh, <laughs> this does not exist anywhere else. Thank you, Sarah, for filling in some blanks here. You you are a legend. But this is pretty special. I'm a, I, I may have proposed this topic to you, not realizing <laughs> that you'd have to do quite so much legwork to pull it together. But that just makes me all the more excited to hear what you came up with. Yeah, this was super fun. I was also like, oh, I have to do like real research. I can't just pull stuff out of a book. <laughs> it was fine, though. It was actually really fun. So this all started back in 1935 at the Synodical Convention of the Evangelical Lutheran Synod of Missouri, Ohio, and other states held in Cleveland, Ohio, because at that point, that's what our synod's name still was. The recommendation was made that Concordia Publishing House should supply members of the Synod with short daily devotions that would be an affordable price for all members. And these booklets would eventually be named Portals of Prayer, but they didn't start out that way. So also in my research, I got to dig through convention proceedings mm. from 1935, which sounds absolutely dry, but let me tell you. Oh my goodness. If you want, if you want some history of our Synod, I highly recommend that you go to like archive. I found archive.org had some of this. And literally just like skim through the convention proceedings from the 1930s. It is amazing. The history that's so in there and the cool stuff, stuff happening. Yes. The stuff that they implemented in the 30s that we're still doing today and like how this shaped our history. Mm. Total like history nerd rabbit hole, but it's fascinating. So mm. I got to read through convention proceedings. I also reached out to our LCMS secretary, Reverend Dr. John Sias, who has access to all of this stuff. And he probably loves looking through it more than I do. And he also gave me some fun little tidbits. So I have the actual recommendation from the 1935 convention proceedings. It was titled Printing of Cheap Devotional Literature. So love it. Uh, this was <laughs> this was from the Gulf States Pastoral Conference. And it says the plan proposed in this memorial aims at the publication of a cheap in italics, cheap devotional booklet like that of the Methodist Episcopal Church South, of which 100,000 copies were sold for five cents each. The devotions are to be written interestingly, that's very important, in a manner that will hold the attention of the reader and stimulate true spiritual life in the home, in the congregation, and in the synod. 
and this memorial was referred to the Literature Board. <laughs> and Dr. Sias Hear that, Lutherans? Interestingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no dry devotionals. Dr. Sias did mention that, that the word cheap in our connotation is like a not good word, but to German Lutherans in 1935, cheap yeah. would have been a very good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was High not... value. Yes, exactly. But I digress. <laughs> the little devotional booklets began in 1937. They covered the seasons of the church year when they started. So now we have them in quarterly books. Mm. They started uh, by the this seasons of the church year. Sense. When you first said that you, there were already 412 initial things in the archive and it was only through 2012 i was like well that that math they're quarterly the math does not work (laughs) but if it's by church year yes church year and later it goes by monthly so they used to print a lot more of these in one year than they do now got it yeah yeah so the original printing was a bit of a prequel for only the season of lent written by the Reverend Alfred Dorfler, who is pastor of Pilgrim Lutheran Church in St. Louis, for the publicity department of the Synod. So that one was Lent 1930. (laughs) Publicity department. I love it. Mm -hmm. The next one was the first like real, quote unquote, real one. And it covered Easter Monday through Pentecost. And that was written by Opie Kretzman. And those were based on the scripture readings from the pericopes for the church year. So liturgical note, in 1935, everybody would have been on the one-year lectionary. This is this is even pre-TLH at this point. So everybody was on the same lectionary. It wouldn't have been weird for these devotionals to be based on the season of the church year and then the readings of those church years because everybody would have been reading the same thing. That isn't how it is now because we have our two lectionaries, the one-year and the three-year. So maybe it doesn't work so well like that now. But at that time, would have been totally normal. So these little books were modeled after the Lenten booklets that the publicity office had produced in 1936 and 1937. And those were titled Standing in His Grace and the Hope Within Us. And they were both produced in German as well. So English and German at that point. In each of these booklets, there was a weekly prayer to prepare the reader for the devotion for the week. And then there was a topic for around the table discussion at the end of each devotion. So they were intentionally making these something that families could use in their homes, congregations could use. They really wanted to promote this devotional life. One of the sources that Scott gave me from CPH says that Concordia Publishing House intends to continue publishing such devotional material for some time to come. I think they accomplished That goal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So these worked off of the church year at first, covering the different parts of the church year. So, yes, they did produce a lot more than four per year like they do now. They also had individual titles. So Portals of Prayer wasn't even associated with them at this point. That would come Mm -hmm. later. Each booklet had an individual title, and that title kind of gave the theme for that book a little bit. Like I mentioned, the first two books, the the Lenten ones, were available in English. They were also available in German, and that German edition kept going. So that German edition was called Tagliche Andachten, and that was available from right away in 1937, of course, all the way until 1999. And that was for maybe for some people, that's not surprising, but that was kind of surprising that 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 German edition was available for so long for people, Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. And also, and this might just be my own nerdy thing. I looked through some of the really old German ones and some of the newer ones. And those old, the older German ones are that really awesome old German text font that like you can't read unless you know what you're looking at. (laughs) That stayed that way all the way until 1968 
when it became a more like modern 60s, like sans serif font. I don't know. I just thought mm. I love fonts. So I had to look at how fonts these were are written. Great. <laughs> it was just very interesting that, that that very old German font stuck around for so long. Acquiescing too. to the culture. Right. I know. In the 60s, of course. Boo. <laughs> But the S set so just I looks wish- way cooler in old trip. Acquiescing. It uh-huh. does. The culture. Anyway. I could not read the words, but it looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this says, but I like it. <laughs> I don't know. So I really wanted to give you guys a list of names or at least like a subsection of names of people who have written for these. But you know, like now we have three people that write for each one. And back in the day, there were more than three people that wrote. Some of them had a list of like six or seven people for each edition. And I did not have the capacity to go through 425 booklets and find all of them. Mm. (laughs) But I will say just in general, I looked through the first volume just from 1936 or 37 and 38, I think. The number of recognizable names back from just back in the 30s was just really interesting. And even now, like we look through the portals that we have now and we recognize names of people mm-hmm. who write for them. And I think that's so cool that these devotions are written, I think, on purpose, written by people that we know. Some of them are written by, you know, seminary professors and presidents of districts and things. But a lot of them are also just written by like the DCE at your church and a, mm-hmm. and a teacher at a grade school. So like this is... They, they're intentionally making these accessible theology for people. And I, I think that's really cool. A fellow, I can tell one you of my you fellow mean, chaplain wives was a recent contributor. So, you know, hey, it's there like, you go. yeah, yay, I recognize that name. It's yeah, really cool. I think mm-hmm. I think that's a cool thing to be able to to relate with the people that are, are writing in these. So I can tell you, I did look just through the first one. Um, Albert, Albert, I keep calling him Albert. Alfred Dorfler, Opie Kretzmann, Walter Hohenstein, Richard Kammerer. Um, let's see who else. F.J. Lankenau, J.W. Benkin, really? Fred Lindman. Yeah. And that was just a few, like, those are kind of semi-famous Lutherans from the 1930s. Hitters for that time period. That's really cool. Yeah. Right, right. And and a lot of those people kept writing throughout the years, too. Board um, for Literature was able to pull some strings. <laughs> <laughs> and at least this one of them went on to be Senate president, unless I'm getting my... <laughs> I believe you're right. John yeah, Benko. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just very interesting, like heavy hitters, but also a lot of them were just parish pastors from across the synod too, which is really cool. So the original commissioning for these booklets was to keep them cheap or affordable, right? Well, the original price listed in the August 1937 issue was five cents per copy. $3 per hundred postage extra. So I did a little inflation calculation, a.k.a. Mm. I Googled it, and five, <laughs> five, cents, five cents in 1937 would be 99 cents today. So like a dollar per book, okay. which pretty affordable, I guess, especially if you're only doing four per year. That's mm-hmm. totally affordable. Yeah. It took 12 years for that price to increase. So it stayed at five cents until 1949, and it went up to 10 cents per issue, 50 cents per year. To $1 for two years, and it was issued seven times per year according to the church year. And so $0.10 cents in 1949 would be $1.15 today. Still fairly mm-hmm. affordable, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Now the subscription for one year is $16. Digest is 17 Large print is 18 So still t- staying pretty true to that affordability factor, having quote-unquote cheap devotional material that is interestingly written. So I think they're still staying staying pretty true to that. 
So in these early early days, these books had prayers and hymns at the front of the book as a way to start the devotions. And in 1942, those things all moved to the back of the book. And that's where they are today. If you flip through your portal of prayer you have at home, the back section is all full of, of all of these prayers that you can use for the weekdays. I think they have like days of the church year, feast days, different uh, things that happen in just in your daily life. And then in 1948, that's when these books began to be called Portals of Prayer. But they still, at this point, retained their individual names for a little bit while longer. So they were kind of like umbrella brand named Portals of Prayer, but each individual episode, each individual booklet had its own name still for a little while longer. Hmm. So... This has nothing to do with the the actual devotional material, but I work in marketing, design, advertising, kind of branding stuff. So I also looked at the inside front and back covers because these things are interesting to me Mm -hmm. as far as like where people place ads. And in 1952, they started putting inside front cover advertisements for CPH products. And that's like prime real estate for advertising right there. And the ads, I just love old vintage advertisements. They're so fun. The first one was for What Jesus Means to Me by H.W. Gockle. And the second one is for the Lutheran Book of Prayer, which was perfect for, quote unquote, the troubled world we live in, which is still true today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whenever, whenever the kids and I find an especially beautifully worded, you know, banner ad or billboard or something, I will just yell out, give that copywriter a raise. And so whoever designed that 50s era ad, give that copywriter a raise. Well done mm-hmm. for the troubled world we live in. Exactly. exactly. So in 1956, the Synod Convention proceedings mentioned that Portals of Prayer was successfully in its 20th anniversary year, and they had produced over 800,000 of them is a lot. The German issue was over 33,000 copies per issue, which is a wild number. Hmm. And then a special 20th anniversary booklet with select meditations from the previous years was also being produced at that point. Sorry, say again what what year that was? That was 1956. Does that also coincide with sort of our high point on size? Like LCMS size? I'm oh. just curious. Oh. Um, high point on forward momentum. Moving very close uh, to that high point okay. on size. Okay. But yes, there were so many churches yeah. being planted in the 1950s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a very interesting thing. Hmm. In 1956, the Braille edition also began production, at least from what I could find. And did you know that the Braille edition is still available from Lutheran Braille workers? The information is in the inside, the like the publications page in the inside of CPH, but you can you find where to send your information to Lutheran Braille workers and you can request a Braille edition of Portals of Prayer, which I think is a super cool resource. Mm. And as a side note, LBW also has other resource Braille resources that can be available at no cost. And that is an amazing thing for people who need these research, Lutheran resources mm-hmm. in Braille. They do amazing, amazing work. And I'll try to remember to put that link in the show notes so you guys can find it too. So this part, this is my favorite part of the history. In December 1950, a lot of happened in 1956. Mm. In December 1956, a radio broadcast began over KFUO with a short two and a half minute portals of prayer meditation. Mm. And this was a partnership between KFUO and Concordia Publishing House. Wow. I think this is so cool. So this is a quote from the inside of the portals of prayer book from 1956. 
Portals of Prayer is broadcast daily over 745 radio stations throughout the United States, Canada, and six foreign countries, which I couldn't find out which six foreign countries they were, but that's still cool. See your local newspaper for a time schedule. So this was estimated to be heard by a weekly audience of 25 million people. Wow. Which is crazy. That is crazy. But I mean, radio was a huge thing at that time. I mean, it it is still now, but like everybody is listening to radio. So I'm going to get to that. (laughs) So this broadcast of the actual of the portals of prayer labeled devotions continued until 1988 on over 750 stations. And at that time, it changed to, by the way, which is still broadcast on KFUO. So this thing is still around, which I did not know. So I didn't know. I knew about By the Way. You didn't know the origin. But I did not know the origin story Mm. of By the Way. So this is a super cool thing. AKA Mm -hmm. Portals of Prayer. Super awesome. So I learned this history from the Reverend Dr. Paul Deventier, whose name you might recognize. He's a longtime synod guy. Super cool. Very radio voice, if you can listen to him. He's like quintessential radio Mm. voice. So these scripts were typed up at KFUO Radio here, and then they were sent out to Hollywood, California for production and distribution on LP Records. Oh my goodness. I'm never sure I've held an LP record, but they were produced on LP Records. That's amazing. And then sent out to all of these radio stations across the country, which I think is so cool. The KFUO Extension Service handled all of these things. For one of our anniversaries a couple of years ago, one of our former employees was here and he used to work in the Extension Service, Walter Lober, and we got to talk with him on the coffee hour. So I will also link that in the show notes if you want to just hear his his story about working here in the Extension Service. I think hmm. it's really cool history. So he was actually one of the people that was involved in the production of these portals of prayer devotions and, and working on the scripts and sending the stuff to Hollywood and all that stuff. You can listen to that too. So these audio versions, I was under the impression that the audio versions of these were exactly what was written in the books. And apparently it wasn't exactly the same. Oh. It was a similar thing. Hmm. But it wasn't exactly the same as what was written in the book, but it was a collaboration still between CPH and KFUO to have these put out over the air. So there were four different speakers of these who like voiced the devotions from 1956 to 1974. And then in 1974, the Reverend Dr. Paul Deventier was given the opportunity to be the speaker. And he is still the person that does, by the way. To this day. So Mm. it's still his voice, which is really cool. So it changed in 1989. These messages became, by the way, they were shortened to 60 seconds, which is what they are now. And he's been doing it ever since. Mm. So they were first distributed on these LP records and then tapes, if you remember tapes, and then electronically. Tapes. I know, right? (laughs) I still listen to tapes. Am I weird? 80s and 90s babies. Uh, (laughs) I haven't seen it anymore, so... (laughs) I'm impressed you have a tape player. Oh, yeah. (laughs) These were recorded in our KFUO studios, the old studio on the seminary campus in the building that doesn't exist there anymore. RIP. These were offered free of charge, which back in the 50s and 60s, not not a big deal to just be like, hey, play this on air. But now a lot more stations are, are commercial based and they don't a lot of times offer that airtime where you can just like give them something and they'll play it. Some stations will, but that's a little bit more challenging to do in our current radio market. You're all probably better off, though, because if I had known that you could just do that at some places <laughs> like... <laughs> I feel like my life would be on a completely different trajectory. You'd own your own PSA business Correct. and just send out Brigerzewski PSAs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That would be amazing. Please, Please do that. share with the team. Thanks. 
Thanks. Do you want to just like write PSAs for KFUO? I can't guarantee they'll be on the air. <laughs> they won't be. They won't be. But yes, I would love uh, to. Sarah will put them in a file titled Do Not Don't Air. Air This MP3. <laughs> <laughs> It'll go with all Add the others. <laughs> <laughs> so you can even get a, uh, a by the way book now he has all oh, of wow. his i don't know how far back it goes i didn't look but we have some of these books in our little cubicle area but you can get the by the way devotions in book form directly from paul devontier too so it's kind of expanded from where it was in the 70s but i just think that's a super cool story and kfuo has their own little part of portals of prayer history which i think is super cool that is so in 1959, the format changed from the church year focus to a bi-monthly focus. So that's when it had another format change. And that actually went on for another 22 years. So it was a, a bi-monthly format until what, almost 1979? No, 1981. I can do math, I think. Anyway, in 1962, the French version Notre Cotre Quotidien. Quotidien. That checks out was available uh, directly from France. And I found this just in the front production notes of these portals of Paris. So I could have the dates wrong because I'm not sure that they printed exactly when it started and stopped. But I found they were advertising this publication was available from France from 1962 through 1980, which I think is just, I don't know, kind of cool. Hmm. And then in 1963, those inside front cover ads were replaced with a short order of service for home family devotions. And this short order of service is still in the current booklets. It's not in the inside front cover. They have advertisements back there now. But mm -hmm. if you flip a few pages in, there is still a short order of family devotion nice. printed in there. And it ha I don't think it's changed almost at all since this original printing of it in 1963. It looks super familiar if you're familiar with any of just the regular daily order of prayer, hymn, invocation, psalm, scripture reading, meditation, prayer, Lord's Prayer, Creed or Catechism, and Benediction. You know what? It, Can I just, because I, I have in front of me right now the October to December 2022, so I'm guessing this is the one that just came out. Yep. Hot off the presses. Um, hot hot off the the press. presses. By the way, <laughs> get it? Ah. Um, <laughs> inflation strikes again. It's actually regular print edition, $18.50. Oh, inflation. Digest print edition, $19.50. Large print edition, Twenty dollars and fifty cents. Well, there Still we go. Worth every um, cheap penny. So, <laughs> I am not too familiar with portals of prayer, but I'm very appreciative of this history lesson that we're getting today. And as I'm, I'm going through like this order of family worship. Like I think of all of the people in my life who lament, like they want to have a devotional life, and they just. They don't know where to start or they, you know, they don't have a structure. I mean, this is a very, I feel like, accessible way mm -hmm. to get into like a daily devotional mm -hmm. posture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm definitely going to keep this in my back pocket whenever one, whenever someone's like, I want to have a devotional life, but I'm not sure how to do it. Here you yeah. go. Time exactly. tested formula. Clear. If it ain't right broke. Now. Yeah, it has not changed much since 1937. <laughs> I have been around portals of prayer since I was a little tiny kid because they've always had them in the back of our church since I was growing up. So I never really looked through them, like mm -hmm. looked, looked through them. So yeah. I didn't even know that right. <laughs> that, that, that the short devotion form was even in them until I was researching. And then I looked in the current one. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Still there. Mm -hmm. hmm. Easy peasy. Just Love it. Plug it in. Yep. It's perfect. 
So then in the 1965 Synodical Convention, a resolution was adopted to encourage distribution of portals of prayer. And it read, this is nice segue, Brie. Thank you. I got you. <laughs> whereas, whereas, Portals of Prayer has been an excellent devotional booklet for encouraging the life in Christ. And whereas, many instances can be cited to show that Portals of Prayer has been an excellent evangelism tool. Therefore, be it resolved that we encourage our congregation as an quote unquote, even so send I you project to place portals of prayer in hospitals, public places, recreational areas, etc. And this resolution was adopted. So you are spot on. Nice. Brie. That's a great. That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. So this is probably my second favorite part of this history. And I confirmed this with an LWML article on her. The first woman to write for Portals of Prayer, and I had to search through books to find this. Hmm. The first woman to write for Portals of Prayer was Alma Kern in 1975. And I am positive that there is somebody or multiple people in the ladies lounge who must know, must have known Alma Kern because she seems to be a lady that knew everybody in LWML. Hmm. So... If you know Alma Kern, I want to know your stories because she sounds like an amazing person. Two of her devotions ended up being in the Best of Portals of Prayer book that was published in 1990. She may need her own episode. I think she mm. has an amazing story. She was from uh, New York and lived 1922 to 2011. And apparently a Lutheran lady with capital L's. <laughs> she, was, she was a church organist. A pastor's wife and a Lutheran educator. Yes. And so this was in the LWML article I found. The story of how she met her husband is just the absolute cutest. And I know this is a bit of a rabbit hole, but I don't even care because it's adorable. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so she was playing organ at the church where her to be husband, the Reverend Herbert Kern, was serving a five week vacancy in Albany, New York. Mm. And he, d he didn't really notice her until another pastor said he should talk to her. So. <laughs> Good job. That always go. Good mm -hmm. job to the wingman. That's right. <laughs> Plant that seed, brother. So on Good Friday evening, oh. which is the best time to talk to a church musician about anything mm. other than church. Mm. <laughs> Let me depart in silence. <laughs> hey, also, Alma. Can, I, can I get your number? But it would be probably whispered. Can I get your number? <laughs> that way, if she didn't want to give it to him, she could be like, what? Can I get your number? What? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> just be very pious. And it's Good Friday. Walk away. You're supposed to be silent after the service. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Good Friday. So, so on Good Friday evening, it's even better than asking for her number, though. He asked to walk her home. Even though she was wearing heels and lived three miles away. What? Whoa, Did now, she you know, some people like to, in like different countries like to sort of like punish themselves on good friday with physical yeah. penance to remind them of the passion of christ well that would do it I feel Kern, like. three miles wearing high heels harder uh -huh. for the cause uh-huh <laughs> so he walked a six mile round trip <laughs> just to get to know her which is just amazing and then in Amazing Lutheran courting fashion on Easter Sunday afternoon. And I don't know. I mean, that's when I'm napping. So I don't know about that. Yeah, especially but. after walking three miles in high heel shoes. <laughs> on, doing Friday, all on, Friday. Friday. <laughs> on Easter Sunday afternoon, Ugh. they went for a ride in the country. Okay, 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 okay. Hang on a sec. He asked to walk her home three miles in heels. Yeah. And he actually had a car to take her for a drive. Did he borrow this vehicle? Or... I don't know. 
I don't Maybe know. Maybe it was in the shop on Good Friday. <laughs> there was apparently a ride available on Good Friday evening and they still walked. Huh. So, okay. <laughs> okay, that's just kind of romantic, though. Well, it really is. So that is no. He that's... wanted more time with her than a ride would give him. My so. God bless those two. And he was like, but... can't walk anymore. All up. We're going to have to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so they okay. I, don't, I don't know the rest of the story but I knew that I, I do know they were married in 1945 okay. oh. so it must have gone well yeah <laughs> just love uh, it we're gonna have to have a follow-up someday I know yes. I, need, I think follow I'm gonna up. need to research her uh-huh. story more because she sounds amazing they were married for over 66 years wow. which is just awesome that's amazing life goals right here Right? I know. Three children, seven grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren as of 2012. So this is why I am positive there must Someone be somebody knows somebody. In the ladies lounge. <laughs> A direct relative. Her. Yes, yeah. there must be. So Alma and her husband, the Reverend Herbert Kern, they were both part of the Sermon Research Committee for the late Reverend Ozzy Hoffman of the oh, Lutheran Hour, which is Oswald a super cool Hoffman. gig. Like, how do you get on that gig? She was also the first dean of women and instructor of business at Concordia College, New York. Wow. Breaking down some barriers. And she was an inspirational author writing four books for the LWML. You are loved. You are special. You are precious. And you make a difference. She also served as the Lutheran Women's Quarterly Stewardship Editor. And she was a popular speaker and an international LWML third vice president. I love her. Awesome. So she's got to have connections. Yeah. And like, I love her. Lutheran lady with capital L's. Like, yes. just yes. so for sure. She might come back in an upcoming episode. I feel like that's a great idea. I, yeah. would, I yeah. would be very happy if that happened. <laughs> So then in 1981, the format, back to Portals of Prayer, the format changed to to quarterly publications. So that's when the format changed to what we have now. It was modernized briefly in 2007 to 2008. And I remember this because I was in high school. But <laughs> you in high school at that point? No. No, you would have been in, I was in, college. in college. You were a freshman. <laughs> Sorry. College. Or a sophomore at the Man, oldest, I am so, so bad at numbers. It's all right. I tried really hard to get that right. I did that, I man. still missed the boat. That's okay. <laughs> So, yes, uh, 2007 to 2008, the masses shot it down very quickly. Uh, so they just like changed where the, if you know the Portals of Prayer formatting on the inside, it it's like straight across the page. Mm-hmm. You've got the date, you've got the verse, right? then you've got the title, and then you've got the devotion. But they yeah. like, they kind of moved the the verse and the title or something. They moved them around to like blocks on either side of the of the text of the devotion. Oh. And apparently it, it did not go well. Mm. People were like, why are you changing? Why are you changing? This. Why are you acquiescing to secular culture? It wasn't so broke. <laughs> I see. When you said that they they had a they took a more modern approach, I thought you were going to be like they changed the name to Portals with a Z for a minute. <laughs> that is the most '90s thing I've ever Portals heard of oh, prayer, man. and it didn't take off. It didn't take. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. They just changed where the words were on the inside, but people did not like it. So they went back. (laughs) They went back to the regular format, which is about Uh almost exactly what it looked like in the original one. It's just cool. Don't change. Never change. Don't ever change. Letters to the editor. (laughs) They received. (laughs) Next year, I have been reading Portals of Prayer since (laughs) nineteen fifty thirty-five. Never have I been more appalled. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is a beautiful layout. It is it a beautiful is. layout. It's gorgeous. It's, it's just clean and to the point. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's easy to follow. Just keep it the way it is. Totally fine. So there are, in our current books, there are more prayers than there used to be. And they reflect the festivals and commemorations plus some more stuff. So just some extra goodies that they threw in the back of the book as well. In 1990, the first of two book editions of Portals of Prayer was published titled The Best of Portals of Prayer. The Spanish editions. Portals of Prayer Greatest Hits. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Portales de Oración appeared in 1998. At least there were books of these from 1998 in the editorial library, but they didn't officially start until 2008 through 2021. That's when they officially ran. In 1999... My favorite, my favorite part of the books, the meet the authors page with the little bios started in 1999. I remember as a kid picking up these books and just like reading through who the people were and where mm. they were from. And that was my favorite part of the book. Yes. <laughs> nice. I just wanted to know their stories. Mm-hmm. It's like I was meant for work and podcasting. I don't mm. know. And then <laughs> a little tidbit about publishing. I got to meet a person who used to work with the Portals of Prayer, who now does Concordia Commentaries. He's uber smart, but he knew one of the previous editors and he told me back in the day, this is pre-computer days, they would send a piece of paper to each of the writer, the authors for these. And the writer had to, it had a box on it and the writer had to load that into their typewriter and then type their devotion within the lines of the box and then send it back. And if you went outside of the lines, it did not end up getting printed. You got in trouble. They had to use a lot of whiteout. And yeah, so there was that, literally a distinct yeah. box for this. I mean, those were yeah. the days of exacto knives and rubber cement and yes. every yeah. bit of typesetting having and and so yes, your typewriter would help measure to make sure you had the exact right character count. But wow. Yep. Can't, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's, it's just really anxiety thinking can... about that, Sarah. <laughs> From our resident. We will never know that struggle. That's right. (laughs) Children will never know. I know. It's just, it's amazing what we can do now with technology that just kind of seems completely normal and like it always Uh existed. But no, man, back in the day, Mm -mm. it was a a lot. I can't even imagine doing the graphic design I do now. I don't even know how they did it 20, 30 years ago. More like scrapbooking, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Blows my mind. Very, very (laughs) meticulous scrapbooking. (laughs) <laughs> yep. So then in 2011, the second book version was published for the 75th anniversary titled 75 Years of the Greatest Hits. No, 75 Years of Portals of Prayer. Mm-hmm. And Scott Kinnaman told me they combed through 400 volumes wow. of Portals <laughs> books, literally, to find a fitting one for each day of the year. Hmm. which is a lot of work, but I think they did a really good job. And several are for historical dates, like the bombing of Pearl Harbor. They used the one for that day. Hmm. September 11th attacks, that one from 2001 is on there. Hmm. So they picked out some of the the historical ones and put them in there. Now, Uh granted, these devotions were not actually written for those days because you write years in advance. But they picked those devotions and, and other pertinent ones, ones throughout uh-huh. history. So it's a pretty cool book to kind of see the the different ways that devotions yeah. were printed. But I mean, like, say the devotion for 9-11, there would have been hundreds, thousands of Lutherans who were all reading that devotion on that day, probably yeah. Yeah. right like as it was but, happening. Yeah, because yeah. often people do it at the beginning of the day. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's it. That goose Goose gums? <laughs> That gives me goosebumps. goosebumps to think about. Boost uh-huh. gums. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just really amazing how the Holy Spirit works. Yeah, it's very <laughs> yeah, metaverse. If being honest. It is. Because, I mean, they literally, you literally write these at least a year or two in advance. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea what's going to happen uh-huh. on those days that they come around. And then you read devotions right. on the days that, and like some big, maybe really good or maybe really horrible thing happens. And it's still applicable. Yeah. It's like God knows what he's doing or something. What? <laughs> That is absolutely correct. The word of the Lord right. endures forever. Exactly. That's and it's correct. living and active. Yes. Both. So then in 2019, CPH published a Portals of Prayer devotional Bible, and it is a beautiful book, it's let me tell gorgeous. you. It's like blue, dark navy blue fabric with these silver with the silver mm-hmm. accents on it. It's beautiful. I have it at home. It's got 700 devotions that correspond with different passages in scripture to encourage a more deeper understanding as you're reading through. So if you're looking for a gift for somebody who loves Portals of Prayer, highly recommend that Bible. It's beautiful. The production process for these books does begin about three years before publication, if I'm understanding this correctly. And if I'm wrong about this, please someone correct me in the Facebook group. So the devotions have a 250 word cap, which is really short. Mm -hmm. It's like... In my world, it's like taking a Facebook post and consolidating it for Twitter. You got to be. <laughs> yes, that's very super like. concise, super concise. And that is a very special skill set. Like not everyone knows mm-hmm. how to write mm-hmm. with the least amount of words possible. And it still makes sense and uh-huh. like is actually good for reading. Interesting. It needs to be interesting. Interestingly. <laughs> So they they do look for talented authors who can write the gospel message concisely and clearly. And then these authors outline the Bible texts and provide a sentence for each day's message. And each author also does one third of the prayers. At least they did from where I got this information from. And then the editor works with the authors to create a series based on their expertise. And eventually they get edited for accuracy and theology. And at the very end, they go through doctrinal review. Yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> just, just for us, Bree. Can you say LCMS Do doctrinal review? Come LCMS on. doctrinal review. Yes. Cameo from Trent. LOL. <laughs> LOL. Oh, I just had a Seinfeld episode that I wrote in my head, and it involves Trent and like. I'm going to move on now. A, okay, go ahead. <laughs> So did you also know that there is a Portals of Prayer edition that's distributed through LCMS Disaster Response called Where is God Now? I did and these are given know that. To people. Yes. So these are these are distributed through Disaster Response and mm. they go to people who have been through a recent disaster. And I think that is a very, very cool resource. Yeah. Since disaster response's big thing is to, I mean, they help people physically, but they also are with people spiritually as they're dealing with a terrible thing that has just happened Mm -hmm. to them. So that is another really cool resource that Portals of Prayer does through LCMS Disaster Response. And I mentioned technology like way at the beginning of this episode. So these books are now available as a smartphone app, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners know this and have it. But if you don't, they are available in either app store. You can get them on your smartphone. So you don't even need to get the print version if you don't want the print version. You can just open it up on your phone and read through it like that. These devotional booklets have been going strong for, what, 85 years? Nice. And as you can tell, if you are in the Facebook group and you saw the post on this, there is a lengthy amount of stories that people have posted in the Facebook group. And I'll put that link in the show notes, too, if you want to read through them all. There's some really cool ones. 
I can't share all of them because there's a lot. However, there are a lot of common themes that come through with a lot of these. These books tend to bridge a generational... These books bridge generations. There we go. I was going to say generational gap. That's not right. Mm -hmm. They bridge generations. So there are so many stories of people in the lounge who have memories of reading them with their grandmas and grandpas mm. or moms who are reading them with their kids. There's just a lot of cross gen inter intergenerational intergenerational study of scripture happening with these books. And they are for all ages. There are parents reading them. There are grandparents reading them. There are toddlers who are flipping through them as they're learning to read. This book is kind of it's used by a lot of different people. They're timeless. You can read runs from today. You can read the ones from 1940s and 50s, and they're still going to be applicable because God's word is living and active. <laughs> and they have absolutely served the purpose that CPH set out to achieve as a simple devotional for all people. So don't forget that it's I a cheap, it. simple devotional for all people. Cheap! Mm -hmm. <laughs> remains a key selling point. Yes, it does. Literally. Literally. Yes. Yes. I do want to share a few and it may turn out to be several, but some of these are just really cool. So this one's anonymous. She said, when my mom was on hospice, she wanted someone to read the day's devotion to her. I was there. So I opened it up and read a devotion about forgiveness. Mom and I had less than stellar relationship when I was growing up. She drank a lot and lied frequently, getting me to participate in her addiction by driving her to and from allergy shots, quote unquote, mm. when in actuality, I was her designated driver. Anyway, we had never addressed the elephant in the room. And though she'd been sober for decades, that day I forgave her truly and told her so. The kicker, I read the wrong day's devotion. <sighs> I was off by almost a week. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, Portals of Prayer is what my Portals of Prayer is what my maternal grandparents used as, as morning devotions. So did the family I lived with when I student taught. It's just kind of been a thread through my life. Not always there, but regularly surfacing. Nice. So that's a great story. Let's see. Lots of people mentioning that they or their family members have written for Portals of Prayer. Judy Myers, one of them, her dad, Daniel Pollitt, wrote for several. And he wrote for Tagliche Andachten, so he did the German and the English. Hmm. Stephanie says, my great, great aunt, and I would read them when I was in early elementary school. Sometimes the smell of a portals of prayer <laughs> unlock that core memory Whoa. of sitting at her dining table, reading the day's devotion together, probably eating a homegrown tomato with salt and pepper. Huh. She died when I was nine, but had a profound impact on my life then and now. Oh, wow. So, so many of those stories... Of you guys, Brie is literally inhaling the portals of prayer <laughs> right really now. Good. They do have a smell. <laughs> and yes, they smell like, is the sense I'm most closely to tied to memory. Me. So the smell <laughs> of portals. It's true. Very powerful. Ruth Ann says, at home, we used my devotions, which that's what I grew up on. But Aunt Lena never had children. So on those wonderful occasions when I got to spend the night with her, she always ended the day with portals of prayer. That was over 60 years ago. And portals of prayer still reminds me of her. And I still remember her special, quote, devotion reading voice. <laughs> it's great. Um, Lauren is another one. Lauren Scheidt, who just wrote for portals of prayer, too. So hers will come out next year. Nice. Lutheran lady showing up for that. She she said she loves it. Writing and theology all together. 
Grace says, my church uses them as an opportunity to bless our homebound members. So this is another thing people do with them. When a new one comes out, they get a goodie bag with some treats, various Lutheran publications, and the new portals of prayer. They get dropped off, and sometimes it leads to a very nice visit. And even if a visit doesn't happen, they're at least blessed by the gift. So they are still being used as a way to getting the the word of God into people's hands Mm -hmm. still. I'm pretty sure LCMS ministry to armed forces also does like a ministry by mail situation. And they include, they send portals of prayer out. There are stacks of portals of prayer that my husband has available to distribute as needed and desired. And that's a wonderful resource. Handing out that encouragement. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of that, Pam says, when I was in the Army going through officer candidate school at Fort Benning, Georgia, there was so little time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. If you ever want uh, want to respect uh, the armed forces, Google a YouTube video of officer candidate school. It's meant Mm. to weed out people. And it's (laughs) it's intense. And for, oh, yeah. All right. Sorry. Go on. Officer candidate school. We're with you, Pam. There was so little time and so much need for spiritual guidance and devotion. Portals of Prayer was with me in my bunk each night and fit nicely in my uniform pocket with me on field maneuvers. Uh That's Mm -hmm. awesome. That's fantastic. So another really cool use for them. Karen says, we collect past issues at our church and they're passed on for ministry work in prisons. I first started reading them regularly when I was in Korea teaching English and attending International Lutheran Church in Seoul where they were available and much appreciated. And there were a few other people who mentioned that they collect them and distribute them to places like prisons or nursing homes so that they don't get thrown out. They just get recycled to to new people who also can use them. Naomi says, though we had regular devotions in our own house, I have a particular fondness for portals. When visiting my grandfather, no matter what had filled the day, whoever was in his house would pause before bed and listen to him read from portals. He would read the scripture, the devotion, and then we would corporately pray the Lord's Prayer. They helped him provide a quiet, steadfast example of faith. When my own dad was in his last days this past year and I was at a loss for words at his bedside, I would often read from portals, which always seemed to bring him and me comfort. That one's going to make me cry. I know, I'm oh, sitting here tearing up. You didn't tell me there would be Kleenex yeah. required for this. Dang it. Oof. That one got me. Right in the guts. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a funny one then. <laughs> Anna says, one of my earliest memories of Portals of Prayer is it being in my grandparents' bathroom. Ah, oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> they figured if they had to sit, they might as well read devotions. <laughs> we do ours as a family now, and I have love having that connection with the past. <laughs> we do ours as a family now, hopefully not in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> right, Although, now. I gotta say, Luther did a lot of good work in the bathroom, um, yeah. by all accounts. So you've got some strong precedent there. And let's be honest, this is far more spiritually edifying than reading the ingredients on the back of the shampoo bottle, <laughs> true. which is how I often spent my time as a child and mm-hmm. adolescent. Uh, I'm yeah. glad to know I'm not alone not in that. Um, yeah, and trying I to like pronounce all the hard words. Funny accents. Dimethyl Propylene glycol. We had a Bible in our bathroom, so... <laughs> I would be a much different person today if there'd been a Bible. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had written out, do not be anxious about anything on a little three by five card and stuck it up on the wall right in front of the toilet. That's one of my favorite favorite verses. (laughs) Anyway, Johanna says, Mike, (laughs) sorry, mom. 
<laughs> My grandparents met in Walther League and got married in 1950. They read Portals of Prayer together for the evening devotion every night for over 71 oh, years. Nice. Until my grandpa's death oh last my November. Goodness, 71 years. 71 years. As a kid, I remember spending the night at their house, meant a glass of milk and saltine crackers for our bedtime snack while listening to grandma read portals of prayer before bed. When her grandchildren went to college, grandma always sent us copies in the mail. That is such a grandma gift. I love it. Mm. Yes. Whenever we had family get togethers, grandma would always make everyone sit still and be quiet for just one minute. Quite a feat with five kids, 15 grandkids, and 23 great-grandkids Yo. in the family. Woof. So she could read a portals of prayer devotion before we ate. Grandma and Grandpa weren't able to live together for the last few months of Grandpa's mm. life because of his declining health. But mm. Grandma would go visit Grandpa at his facility every day, and she would always read the portals of prayer for the evening devotion before she had to leave. I don't think oh. I'll ever be able to look at one of those little books and not think of them. Mm. Oh. <sighs> Beautiful. It's wonderful. So I, I think I mentioned that there was a large print version, and if I didn't, there is also a large print version. And Melissa says, my grandmother is now over 100 years old, which wow. is awesome, Yeah, right. but can still read. The larger print version has made it easier and is a blessing. When my mother or I visit her daily, we always take a little time to read the portals of prayer together. When she was locked in during COVID, we even read them together as we sat outside of her window, reading and talking over the Aww. phone. Mm. <sighs> uh, that was a thing. Has I she read all of COVID. the portals of prayer? Have I said that before? Ends? Yeah, COVID's the worst. I'd be yeah. curious to know. I that. would be curious when to know did she that. Start? <gasps> yeah, she's over a hundred. She certainly could have. It's possible. Ooh. I would love to know if anyone in the lounge group either has or knows somebody who has read all of the portals of prayer. That would be amazing. Whew. Then we would sing hymns that she remembered lyrics to her that we printed off for her to join in with us. So even a pandemic couldn't keep us from our daily ritual together. No way. Uh uh-uh. uh. Take Satan that. Covid works hard, but we work harder. Exactly. <laughs> Not today, COVID. Hmm. So speaking of COVID, and eh. I think this is the last one I'll read. Oh, yeah, because we're almost at an hour. Okay. Annette says, I wrote the Portals of Prayers devotions for December of 2020. Speaking of COVID. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, they were written a long, long before we knew anything of COVID, but it was amazing how the Holy Spirit led that writing to speak into the situations of a global pandemic. Hmm. God's word is truth in every situation. I was amazed by how many readers reached out to me after reading the devotions to encourage me to ask a question and even to renew a connection that had been made a number of years ago. Hmm. One reader wrote and asked if I was related to someone who used to to teach at a Lutheran school in Illinois. Lutheran bingo from mm. Portals of Prayer. She and her husband had been friends with my mother-in-law over 50 years ago. Wow. I never expected the feedback that I received from the readers. That was very meaningful to have folks reach out like that. Oh. So, Love that. Building Lutheran community. That's right. Yes. yes. That's what we do. Those are exactly. amazing. And thank you to everyone who shared because mm-hmm. it definitely just reinforces what we already know about the value of these devotional booklets and how they have helped people grow closer to God and be faithful in reading his word over the years. It's just Mm -hmm. like, what a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll put some links in the show notes to a few things, obviously, where you can find portals of prayer, where you can can get your own. Check with your church, though, if you don't get them yourself. Your church may already be getting them. Maybe they stash them somewhere and you just have to go find them. I'm sure your pastor or church secretary could tell you that. And also a few of those other references for LBW and those conversations on KFUO about the extension service and the portals of prayer radio versions. Mm-hmm. And of course... 
You can find all of the rest of the comments that I ran out of time to read in our Facebook group. We'll put the link to that in the show notes too. But if you aren't in our Facebook group already, certainly go join us there, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. You can also share your stories on Instagram with us. You can tag us at Lutheran Ladies Lounge and follow us there as well. If you're not on social media or if you want to get Lutheran Ladies in your inbox, you can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter list and you can find out how to do that in the show notes for this episode or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org and we will make sure to get you signed up for that list. Or if you want to just send us a note and tell us something, you can also email us there too as well. We all get those emails so we can we can read them and respond to you. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on the KFUO radio app or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give. Hang on, though. You got to put this as an as an outtake at the end. We are recording this. Today is my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. I'm just saying happy anniversary to mom and dad. Yeah. Tony and Debbie. Tony happy and Debbie. I second uh, that. Happy anniversary to two of the love loveliest people. Yeah, you crazy lovebirds. Well done. <laughs> love it.